Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and once again, two weeks in a row, I'm actually here with Luke Kappa sitting in Blister HQ, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so yep, I am back here in Blister HQ with Luke Kappa, and we weren't intending to do this this week, but then I wrote this flash review of the Rosignal Sender Squad, and it got me, well, one, it got me all like hyper excited, and two, it got me thinking again a whole lot about suspension, and then I was like, all right, Luke, we just have to record different episode than was planned to talk about ski suspension. We talk about it kind of all the time, sort of pepper it in here and there, but this kind of warrants its own episode. Now, before we get to that, just a couple of things we need to tell you about. One, you guys need to be sure to be checking out our Blister Summit videos. You can go to the navigation bar on our website and hit the drop down menu and you will find all the videos we've published so far. And by the time you are listening to this, we will have dropped another panel session that's on the topic of next generation materials. And you are going to want to catch that one. It's really interesting. In other news, we're just doing a whole bunch of stuff on the mountain bike side of things. Uh, We just published a enduro slash trail fork, very in-depth comparison guide. What else, Luke? Uh, we've got a review coming up of the Banshee Titan and Pivot Switchblade. Uh, we are getting a few bikes in. Actually, there's supposed to be a Pivot Trail 429 coming in, I think, tomorrow. Uh, David Golay, uh, on a recent Bikes and Big Ideas podcast, he talked about, I think it was like five of the kind of longer travel bikes he's been reviewing. So, yeah, basically a lot of stuff in the pipeline. And on our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast, uh, since you will be hearing this conversation on Friday, well, (laughs) yesterday, Thursday, the April 15th, we just dropped a conversation on Bikes and Big Ideas between Noah Bodman and David Golay, where I just let those two go nerd out together. You should catch that one. I am actually recording a conversation tomorrow morning with Casey Brown, which I'm extremely excited about. That will drop on Bikes and Big Ideas this coming Thursday. So just all kinds of cool stuff. And frankly, a bunch of stuff we haven't even told you about yet. And we're, we're going to wait. But um, there's a lot coming down the pipeline for sure. Fake blister Instagram accounts. We should talk about that for a second. This drove me insane uh, the past week, and um, I know it drove a lot of you crazy as well, but I got one comment in while I was sort of livid with all these copycat and crappy fake accounts that were popping up. So just, just check, you know, our Instagram account is at Blister Review, no missing letters, no extra letters, no punctuation marks. So it's at Blister Review on Instagram. It's just Blister on Facebook. But anyway, Matt Bowers suggested that we review which fake accounts are the fakest. And that actually made me laugh, which I was really grateful for because mostly I was just super angry. 
my answer to this, Matt, in terms of reviewing which of the fake accounts are the fakest, they all suck. They're all terrible. The like ratio of emojis to actually words being used, that should be the telltale sign just right off the bat for any of you. Their ratio is like one emoji to every like one actual word. It's not quite how we roll. So um, if you you know, check, check who you're following. If it says they have one or two followers, that's definitely not us. Um, so please unfollow them. If you have mistakenly followed one of these fake accounts. Yeah, that'd be great. And that's all I have to say about that. Luke, do you have any wise words on fake Instagram accounts? I feel like they're just a scourge of social media right now. And Instagram has not found a way to deal with it yet. Yeah. So um, we have contacted Instagram. We're, you know, we're hoping they do something to resolve this. And uh, I'm not exactly holding my breath, but we'll see. And, um, you know, tis what it is. As Luke put it, it is a little bit of like an IQ test. He's a jerk. He's the jerk of the two of us, if you haven't figured that out yet. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's what everyone says. Yeah, that's what everybody says. Let's see. We also, of course, just have to, Ask Luke about his diet. Luke, what'd you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, this morning, I went to one of the few places that's currently open during the off season, the gas cafe, um, and had the burley, which is an English muffin with a uh, fried egg, cheese, and bacon. And I'm assuming a, about a quarter pound of butter <laughs> mixed between. Um, and it's one of my favorite breakfast foods ever. But I wouldn't normally do that, but I got a rather uh, strange call in the morning from reviewer Dylan Wood and had to do him a favor, which honestly I didn't mind because I got to get gassers. So, yeah. Do you know that I've actually never had breakfast there? Yeah, I mean, if you're vegetarian or vegan, there aren't a whole lot of options there. But if you're not, it's fantastic. <laughs> Can I just ask him for like the English muffin? That'd probably be pretty good with the amount of butter they put on it. (laughs) Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, hey, let's let's do this. So, yeah, uh, if you are a Blister member, you hopefully by now read my flash review of the Rosignol Black Ops Sender Squad uh, punchline. I think this ski is remarkable. It's definitely not for everybody, Um, but you can go read my flash review on that. But one of the most standout things about this ski is that it, it just got me really thinking about like, you know, in, in my flash review, I say this ski might have the best suspension of anything I've ever skied, which then of course just got me thinking about like, seriously, is that actually true? So then that kind of kicked off this idea to do sort of the the Mount Rushmore of ski suspension. And my God, that's a title of a Gear 30 episode if I ever <laughs> heard one. Um, I'm pretty sure there's never been a podcast or article with a similar title. But, you know, so you're welcome. Anyway, so we're going to talk a bit more just about suspension and some of the surrounding kind of concepts and questions. And I asked Luke to kind of come up with his own Mount Rushmore as well. So that is what our work here today is. Well, Luke, you've skied 
the sender squad. Mm-hmm. And so let's just start here. Were you surprised by like how much I freaked out about the suspension of this ski when you first skied it before we talked? I guess I wasn't that surprised because I had weighed it and like I knew what it was and felt its flex pattern. And so it has the weight and not super stiff flex pattern that would suggest that it offers a really smooth ride. I think your general, like you are way more into it than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, the ski itself. Yeah, the yeah. ski overall. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it, the suspension was really good, but I was kind of more just focused on the fact that it's not a ski that I would choose to ski most days. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's 194 centimeters long. And, and measures almost true to length and, via straight tape pull. Yeah, it's like 193.3, I think, uh, CMs. And yeah, I mean, to be honest, that's kind of why I held off on getting on it. It's like I've said multiple times, especially in a kind of steeper, techier place like Crested Butte, I don't actually want to deal with the length of a really long ski. Um, You know, so I kind of just wrote it off and was like, all right, you know, whatever. Um, And so I was actually one of the last of us to get on this thing. Um, So, so yeah, that's the thing about the sender squad. And, you know, so if you're not looking for a 194 underfoot ski like this, don't worry about it. Nevertheless, that's not we're not here to just kind of talk about the center squad. We're talking about suspension, but we should talk just a little bit more about the center squad. One of the things that's so interesting about it and surprising to me is it's mount point. Mm -hmm. So you've got this heavy ski. It's just over 2,400 grams per ski. It actually measures it like just over 110 millimeters wide underfoot. But Rosignol gave this thing a minus 6.25 mount point, i.e. far more progressive than I would have guessed Rosignol would go just given this ski. Luke, agree? Yeah, I mean, if I just knew they were going to make a big mountain comp ski, essentially, that it would be very surprising. There is a line that's two centimeters behind that line. Marked that on they, the top yeah, sheet. Yeah, that they yeah. mark on the top sheet. Um, the main reason I wasn't super surprised is because the regular Black Ops sender and sender TI also have pretty progressive mount points. They're around like minus seven or something. So it's it's in line with the other skis in that group. But yeah, we typically don't see skis that long and that heavy uh, with mount points like that. Yep. And the fact that you got along with it quite well. Loved it. Yeah. And, you know, in case anybody cares, if you go read our Dina Star M Free 108 review, where uh, you know I, I kind of felt bad. Like I, I was like, I asked Luke before we published it, like, dude, am I even being coherent here? But bottom line is, I didn't fully click with that ski, and so you can go read about sort of why why that may have been the case. And we try, I tried to do the best I could to explain that, but it was like instant click with this Sender Squad. And one of the big differences is I did feel like even with that mount point at, you know, just behind minus six, 
I felt like I could drive those shovels exactly in the way that I personally would want to. Really cool ski. In my opinion, Luke's comment when I texted him and was like, dude, the suspension of the ski is otherworldly. I think he said something like, yeah, not so much my jam. It's boring AF, I believe was the exact text. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, hey, we're just here to tell it like it is. Um, So if you're more in the Luke camp, this is not going to be your ticket, but I know there's a lot of people who like bigger, stable skis, and um, this is, I don't know, this... If you couldn't tell, I got pretty excited about this one. All right, that's enough about the sender. Let's go back to this topic of just suspension in general. Do you want to try to say a word about, for somebody who hasn't caught every little comment that we've put in a given you know, review or on a different podcast, if someone's like, dude, what are you talking about when it comes to the suspension of a ski? How do you answer the question? Yeah, so I think there's a a few words that we kind of use as synonyms. Um, Damp is the most common one, and that's that's been used in the ski industry for a while. Generally, when I'm talking about a ski suspension, I'm talking about how much feedback I feel like, or like, yeah, basically how much feedback it provides in particularly rough or variable snow conditions. And we kind of started using the word suspension because especially if you mountain bike, it's pretty intuitive. A mountain bike with a lot of suspension and very well-managed suspension is going to mute out rough impacts from the trail. And a ski with good suspension is going to make crappy conditions feel less crappy. And in turn, it's not going to get knocked around quite as much and generally makes for a more pleasant and often easy skiing experience in otherwise challenging snow conditions. Yeah, and so I think, I mean, one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about, you just said there's some terms we use rather synonymously, and I kind of wanted to investigate that for a second because, you know, there's, there's three words that I tend to use in particular. We talk about suspension, we talk about a ski being plush. And then we talk about how damp a ski is or how good the ski's damping is before all the engineer dorks or wannabe grammarians. Did you see the comment that came in? Yeah. Did you see my response? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That guy, that guy can, well, he can go read as Jacques Derrida and Hans Georg Gadamer and David Foster Wallace if, if we really want to get into like how language actually works. And anyway, if you're curious, you, what what article was that on? Uh, I think it was the ski length article. Was this ski length? I think so. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, go to Blister if you're curious and just look up Hans Georg Gadamer and see if it pops up. But yeah, that... That person, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um, so I'm not sure that, say, the term plush and damp are the same or are synonyms. You want to try your hand at why I don't think so? Yeah, I think to me, calling a ski plush is like, like I think of a like those 
uh, trucks that do like the Baja race where they've got like what looks Uh like like three feet of suspension and they're constantly the wheels are tracking the ground the body of the car is not moving whatsoever it's like completely muting out what's underneath it and just ultra ultra smooth um and like right like skiing a memory foam mattress or something Mm -hmm. whereas damp i feel like i don't know I i think of damp and damping yeah as reducing vibrations and like yeah it's it's a very i think it's a very subjective uh take on it but like i feel like not all damp skis are super plush um damp i feel like i normally associate with kind of maybe skiing faster i think of like like a i don't know maybe a Folsom hammer is i would call it quite damp but i wouldn't call it plush um Yep. I think like damp skis, especially when you're skiing fast, they stay very composed. Yep. But maybe when you're skiing slower, they, they're they not completely smoothing out everything in front of you. You can still feel some feedback. I don't know. What's what's your take on it? I think, I, yeah. And I mean, that's kind of why I wanted to have this conversation because I think we're going to kind of triangulate around on this a little bit. But I'll introduce another question that came up. Someone in the comments of the sender squad flash review said, Hey, you know, sometimes I think what you guys describe as plush, or I won't say you guys, maybe just what I personally describe as plush. This person said, I kind of find to feel dead. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yep, that is actually, I think a fair concern. And I think you and I, Luke, aren't in exactly the same spot on this either. Skis that I really like for how quote unquote plush they feel, Sam was the same way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, yeah, this feels kind of dead to me. So now, and this is what I like about the word suspension, because if we're talking about a, a ski's suspension being good, now that's kind of a Goldilocks thing. Whereas if you veer too far, say to the right, that ski won't feel like the suspension is good. It will feel like it's dead. And I think that here's, here's where I think, again, triangulating around, I think a damp ski, dial up how damp a ski is and you will be moving it more to dead, right? There will be, it will absorb all energy. There will be no energy or, or feedback, you know, that can be really fun. Energy from a ski, a poppiness from a ski, these can be really excellent qualities of a ski, right? So if we go too damp on a ski, I think we, you know, are moving more into dead. When I'm using the word plush, I suppose I probably am using it a bit closer to when I'm using the word suspension or talking about a ski's suspension being good, where, and here I think the mountain bike analogy is perfect. If you are on a fully rigid mountain bike with no front fork or rear shock to provide any suspension, you know, it's just a jarring, harsh, brittle, awful ride. Conversely, if you go take a downhill bike with a massive amount of travel up front and out back, in a way you can absolutely get to there being too much travel too much suspension and it will make a like 
somewhat interesting normal trail ride absolutely boring because you can just monster truck over everything and so that's where i think for me when we are trying to our, or saying you know paying this a ski a compliment about its suspension being really good to us it's hitting that nice kind of goldilocks spot where it neither is just feeling like a monster truck and then it's definitely not on the other end where it feels like a a pingy, twitchy, harsh, jarring ski. I don't know how well I just explained myself, but I'm going to stop talking. What do you think? Yeah, I think personally, I feel like when I, if I'm talking about a ski that's super damp, that's often when I'd also call it pretty dead. Whereas there are skis that I would call quite plush, but that can also be poppy. Yep. The J skis hotshot comes to mind in large part because it's not difficult to bend and it does have some rebound when you do that but it's since it's a soft ski i think and it's quite heavy like it does feel quite plush in that it mutes out and absorbs a lot of vibrations um yeah that i guess that's the only thing i have to add okay well let's say that you just officially kicked off then our sort of mount rushmore conversation so and and I think as we name some of these skis, again, we'll we'll kind of triangulate in on what we're talking about, um, you know, because it isn't the case that, oh, you want better suspension? Well, then just like the heaviest skis don't always have the best suspension, right? It's not that simple, even though we do like weight in our skis, at least for inbound skis. Anyway, um, so you just led with the the J skis hot shot. You know, I told you to kind of come up with your top four, and I had listed. I, I spent more time on the the ski that was the predecessor to the J skis hot shot, um, the metal, and I had written down on my for my top four like the metal or the J skis master blaster. Both of those are skis, and I'd have to go get back on them to see if I really think one is like clearly better in terms of just the issue of good suspension. But anyway, so you named the Hotshot the the newer ski. I had on the Metal and the Master Blaster, and one of the things we've said about J skis constructions is that they are often doing a move that often, if not always, is a really good formula for getting good suspension. And it is get some weight into the ski and you don't have to go that stiff, right? And we just named in our Mount Rushmore three J skis that we kind of feel like are are achieving that. Did you have a thought about the, the metal or the hotshot versus the master blaster in terms of like which you think is actually better in terms of its suspension? Yeah, so I've skied the 183 centimeter hotshot and 181 centimeter master blaster. I should be skiing the 189 centimeter hotshot soon and I've, I'm guessing that that's going to be the winner out of that group um, just because it's bigger and heavier. But my take is that comparing those shorter hotshot and master blasters, the hotshot to me feels more plush, whereas for some reason I'd say the master blaster is more damp. Um, I feel like the 
I think it mostly comes down to stiffness. The both, like you said, are not super stiff skis, but the master blaster, I think feels a bit more solid, especially through the front of the ski. Um, and so the, yeah, the hotshot basically feels like it, it kind of absorbs more of the vibrations, especially at lower speeds. Whereas at higher speeds, I think the, the master blaster stays more composed and planted. And I'm assuming the 187 centimeter master blaster, which is quite heavy, um, would probably, I'm, I'm sure it would beat the, the 183 centimeter hotshot. But yeah, my main takeaway between those is that the softer flex of the hot shot equates to a more plush um smooth ride especially when you're just cruising around whereas the master blaster i feel like it decreases those vibrations particularly at higher speeds better than the hot shot but both both quite good and good enough that they were kind of in my mind when we were thinking about this uh this discussion you know since Obviously, I was pretty tempted to uh, put this Rossignol Black Ops Sender Squad in my Mount Rushmore, and then it prompted this whole, well, podcast. Um, you know, and somebody else uh, in the comments section, many, many good comments in the comments section of this Flash review uh, on the Sender Squad. So good job. Good job to all of you. Um Somebody asked about the Dina Star Legend Pro, which we're sitting here looking at here in HQ. Also called the Pro Rider and now the M Pro 105. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Dina Star. <laughs> keep, keep making our lives harder. Um, anyway, great question. Um, and honestly, I really would need to ski both skis back to back, which I will do probably maybe not till next season, but, um, my thought, and perhaps I'm wrong about this, but the thing about that, I want to call it the pro rider. What do I have to call yeah, it? Yeah, just call it the pro rider. Right. The thing about the pro rider is to me, he, uh, while I tend to still hate automobile analogies when it comes to skis, it just feels kind of lazy and wrong to me, but like, the feeling of sort of a stereotypical Cadillac suspension where you're just like kind of like, I don't know quite how to say it, but it's like this rolling slow compression or slow rebound feel. Um, that was more my thought about the legend pro super damp ski, super plush ski, but maybe almost going too much that direction in a way that I'm not sure that that sender squad kind of, if you want to say airs in terms of that slow, slow compression and rebound. Um, again, we're getting into subjective waters here. And again, the point of this exercise is just to get you all thinking about this a bit more. And some people are going to prefer perhaps that legend pro to the sender squad and that's all fine. But yeah, that legend pro deserves to be like in the conversation here, but that was kind of my take on that. It almost felt overly plush, which is wow. I've never said that about another ski. I don't think. 
Okay. Um, so that's why I'm going to give the nod to the Sender Squad for now over that Legend Pro or whatever it's currently called. All right. Where are you going next on your Mount Rushmore? Uh, a ski that I believe is constructed pretty similarly to the Sender Squad is the Rosignol Black Ops Gamer, which is was originally called the Black Ops 118. That ski, I mean, especially for like suspension aside like ski design that works well with me i mean it's it's one of very few skis that are that damp and that heavy that's also like nearly symmetrical designed to be skied with a playful style that one i think is just yeah phenomenal suspension and still somewhat poppy um i think probably because it's not that stiff um but yeah i mean it's my favorite ski of all time it's really good. How much do you think Rosignol basically just took the same guts and made kind of a slightly different shape? I mean, it's not the Black Ops Gamer is, you know, it's a very different looking ski than the Sender Squad, but the feel of the two skis is not, it's not the same, but it's not like wild different. It is not. It, they don't feel nearly as different as their shapes might suggest. Yeah, I, from what I know, their constructions are slightly different, um, but it's it's a little hard to tell because like companies only say so much about what's in their skis. I mean, the yeah, the squad was made with. It's kind of similar to the build on the regular Rosinol Black Ops sender. Um, but it, it one thing it notably lacks, same as the Black Ops 118, is their like carbon fiber biaxial weave, which I think, I mean, that brings up a whole nother topic of like, how does torsional rigidity affect suspension? And I think it probably hampers it, yeah. all other things being equal, which is part of why the center ti does not feel nearly as damp it's also just a whole lot lighter but um yeah i I imagine the constructions are somewhat similar um what's interesting is i think the the black house 118 in a 186 i think is actually a little bit heavier than the 194 squad you heard me saying it's videotaped the conversation is out in the world i actually said that i would murder jake stevens at rosignol if they change the Black Ops Gamer. So you're welcome for that. Um, I really hope nothing bad happens to Jake because I'm going to be <laughs> like, yeah. Suspect number one. Suspect number one for sure. I guess if I'm going to my next um, Mount Rushmore for ski suspension, I got to give a shout out to that. Let's call it the 1011 and 1112 190 centimeter moment blister pro. Um, well, that was a Bibby pro then before it was the blister pro and, um, that ski absolutely nailed it for me. Um, just in terms of the, you know, the suspension that it offered and, you know, it's not the stiffest ski out there. It's not the softest ski out there, but that ski was money. And I feel like I've talked about that ski to death. Uh, so we probably don't need to say a ton more about it here, as many of you know, Moment tweaked the construction of that ski. 
the ski did get a bit lighter and I, you know, like this is like baking a cake. Like you start tweaking the ingredients and the end result is going to be a bit different. Right. And I, I didn't find that with the lighter wildcat, because basically it was now lighter, but definitely as stiff or possibly even a little stiffer, that's going to affect the suspension. And I, I don't think that, you know, I mean, we haven't even been actually on the, like the latest, latest, latest. Yeah. Cause it got a little it, bit heavier. It got a bit heavier. So dear moment and Luke Jacobson, we, we would still love to get on whatever the hell is currently coming out from you guys under the, the well, now the wildcat name. Um, but anyway, that's just an example where you change the ingredients a bit and you're going to change the suspension of a ski, but shout out to that kind of 10, 11, 11, 12, 190 centimeter Bibby pro slash blister pro. Yeah. And compared to the black ops 118, kind of similar to what you were saying earlier, I would say the black ops is more cadillac and plush. Whereas the Bibby, not quite as ultra smooth, but especially, I mean, it's a, a longer ski, so there's all sorts of things that yeah. are different. But that one, I, I kind of think about it in the way of like, like you take a downhill mountain bike, you have one that's with the suspension set up for a racer yeah. and one that's set up for someone who sucks like me. It's going to feel very different. I feel like the gamer is more like, what my bike would feel like the bivy i mean it's it's not it's not full on like ultra stiff suspension setup like a pro would have their mountain bike but that's kind of how i think about it like someone having a lot more air pressure in their fork and shock more tokens more compression damping that's how that's kind of how i think about like the plush versus damp the super subjective thing we've been talking about but you're saying that about the most recent wildcat we skied or you're talking about the i'm talking about the old bibby pro it's not it's not i have some other examples that i think are a better comparison but i would say it feels like it's on the firmer end of that than the black ops 118 i'm gonna keep reiterating this because i know we're gonna tick off either some listeners or some manufacturers because they're gonna turn this into like blister just put out their definitive list of the skis with the best suspension. The important thing to continue our mountain bike analogy is that there are settings on forks and shocks. You can add air pressure, you can reduce air pressure, you can go with a quicker or you know slower rebound. We are definitely in subjective territory and what you know, again, my absolute favorite ski in terms of suspension or, you know, plushness may feel dead to somebody else. But, you know, again, it's the exercise here, folks. And honestly, almost more than like the general public listening to this, I hope freaking ski manufacturers are listening to this and wondering like, how are our skis faring in this particular category, because the thing I will defend that I don't think is subjective suspension is one of the freaking most important things to try to nail when it comes to ski design. And I think we ski too much stuff that just feels off. And I would like that to stop because we're the ones that have to ski this stuff. What do you think about that, Luke? I mean, tons of other people ski it too. Well, <laughs> they, might, they might just not know. 
And I do feel like it's gotten better over, especially with the lighter skis. I think people are slowly figuring it out. Although sometimes we get on and we're just like, nope. Nope. <laughs> so on my note about like, and yeah, mountain bike comparisons, which for some reason we're more okay with than race car comparisons. Yeah, don't know why. <laughs> um, so a few skis come to mind that definitely feel more like what I imagine a World Cup downhill mountain biker suspension feels like. And again, I'm going to cheat here and mention a few. The Folsom Hammer, the Folsom Blister Pro 104, yep. and the Prior Hasumi. And all of those skis are quite stiff and quite heavy. They're actually all around a similar weight. And with the the hammer in particular, it doesn't have camber underfoot, yep. which I think impacts that too. But basically, they're skis that to me feel really, really good when you're skiing them fast. But if you're just like sliding around and like refrozen crap, they do not feel as plush and smooth and planted as a softer, similarly heavy ski like the squad. Um, and I don't, I haven't been on the Hasumi recently, so I can't say what the clear winner is. Like, I think the hammer would be my choice for like skiing as fast as possible, but in terms of just pure suspension standpoint, I'm not sure which one wins. Yep. Yeah. Skiing as fast as possible. I'm going hammer for all the skis you just named. And I think what I wrote about the hammer was that it's like, it's like if you took the head monster 108 and then just like reverse cambered that ski, like those two skis. And I, I, I'm happy that we're bringing up the head monster 108 because I actually think that is a pretty plush ski. If I had to pick, it's more say damp than plush. Luke's smiling. Yeah. <laughs> you never skied it, did you? I never skied the monster, no. Yeah, we should get you on that. Yeah. If, uh, if Drew, Drew doesn't... Drew's probably broken all of yeah, ours. <laughs> I think Drew broke all of our monsters. Yeah, so for absolute... And again, I guess this is a good point of clarification. We are not just talking about stability mm-hmm. because I'd take that... I'd take the, the Folsom blister hammer as one of the most stable skis we've ever been on if it's just about mobbing and nuking and that skis staying composed um yeah for off-piste you know good snow or kind of chundery weirdness i would take that if we're talking about like a groomer or good conditions that head monster 108 it's it's like that head monster and Folsom Hammer are so similar in terms of their stability at speed. It's just that monster is built to carve. Yeah, I mean, their rocker profiles couldn't be more, more different. different. They're yeah. like opposite, rock, yeah. literally opposite rocker profiles. Um, yeah, I like this. I like where your head's at. You should ski a monster sometime. Yeah. Uh, so is the Monster 108 on your list? It's in my like honorable mention Basically, I think where I kind of wanted to talk about it was weird. And actually, the next ski I want to talk about is not that stiff of a ski. I want to talk about the original Nordica Enforcer 100. But before we do that, this head monster 108, again, if we're talking about subjectivity, 
for the person who still wants like a wildly stable ski and a stiffer ski, if you're moving in that direction, I think that person's going to love the head monster 108, you know, and the quote unquote suspension of it. But that's an example where of just a stiff ski, right? Whereas a lot of what we've been saying is often to get to that quote unquote, really good suspension. You don't need the stiffest thing out there. And we'll use that as a segue into that Nordica Enforcer 100. Not the most stable ski of all time. Doesn't have the biggest top end out there for sure. But for years, um, you know, I I would say that's not a dead ski. You could get (laughs) some energy out of it. You know, we wrote a lot about that ski. We gave that ski a best of award year after year after year. And then as some of you know, strangely, Nordica or the factory in which the enforcers were built, I don't know which, I honestly don't know if this was an intentional decision or if this is just something that happened when the factory was baking up and mixing up the different ingredients the enforcers got both heavier and stiffer. This is a different, this is a weird example. The ski got heavier and stiffer. Which normally we're okay with. Which normally, if you're keeping those ratios together, it can work. But just objectively, the suspension is not as good as it used to be in the slightly lighter, definitely softer Enforcer 100. You agree with this? Yeah. And it's not close. Yeah, I mean, the I wouldn't. I think the new version. I I feel like an argument could be made that it's more damp, maybe, but definitely not as plush. It's definitely not as plush. <laughs> yeah. It might be if we're just going bad out of hell. Yeah, like you got to straight line this thing or get down as fast as humanly possible. I'd say the the new the newer Nordica Enforcer One Hundred has a more stable top end mm-hmm. yeah but it's, it's just it the suspension is not as good as i would have expected after i weighed it yeah, yeah. exactly i'm a little bummed by this if you couldn't tell <laughs> yeah but yeah so another another ski that is sort of no longer with us in the enforcer 100 all right where are we at i think i've got one more and they're like for clarification there are a lot of skis that I thought of when we started talking yeah. about this, but I just haven't skied them. Um, like like the Like the Nordica Enforcer 115 comes to mind. Um, hmm. And just some of like the heavier, older skis that are no longer around. Um, but probably, especially just thinking about the skis we were on this year, the Vocal Katana 108 comes to mind. Um, it's I feel like that and the Mantra 102 and the new Mantra M6, they, they're pretty stiff skis. Um, they're not, not as stiff as a monster or a hammer, but their suspension is very hard for me to describe with nuance. Like there are certain times, especially if you like, if you're like, I don't know, skiing moguls and you like slap the tip down, it has a very like pingy sound to it. Yes. 
but it doesn't feel i'm not talking about like the feel of like i often call really light carbon skis like pingy, pingy right um, no this is the nothing sound. like it but it is the it sound freaks it, me it's, out. it's weird it freaks me out yeah. yeah um but the katana 108 i think in it it just feels really nice to me um and i wouldn't call it a totally dead ski either you have to put in a decent amount of effort but it will produce some energy like the other skis in that line and i know like talking to drew he skis the monster 108 a lot yep and then got on the katana not that much lighter but very different uh different rocker profiles for sure uh the katana is softer and he's like, he was talking about how poppy and lively and how it comes alive at slow speeds. And we're like, all right, like we need to put some context behind that. But I think I agree with him when considering what he's on. Um, so I don't know. I, I was having a hard time with my, with my fourth one. Yeah. And I mean, you know, first of all, I don't know. I still, I'm hung up on the Katana 108. And I, I think the best way to put my hang up is if you think about the old metal katana with a much bigger side cut they almost it feels at least on snow i don't know what the specs are but on snow it feels like they reverse things it's like the old metal katana was a straight ski underfoot with a you know with a shovel that didn't have a lot of hip taper but it wasn't a big teardrop shovel mm-hmm. and i feel like you know because i've been sort of wrestling with like i love the m102 i love it and i'm not as in love with the katana 108 personally and i think that's maybe a little bit why it's like the old metal katana felt like a straight ski with a kind of nice shovel mm-hmm. in my in my view and what i like the new Katana 108 feels like they gave it, they pinched the waist and then gave it a bigger shovel. And that's kind of the opposite of what I want in my 108 underfoot all mountain ski. Boom. That's a unbelievably good description. That did, had absolutely nothing to do with suspension. <laughs> no, that was a segue about why I think I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not quite as in love with the Katana 108. But the Sender Squad staying on this unrelated slash related theme that feels like a straighter ski underfoot with a beautiful tip shape Mm. and man when you're talking about the katana like in terms of suspension the katana 108 versus the sender squad the squad's definitely a lot more smooth yeah 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 so i don't know i guess i i'm i'm not sure about your mount rushmore of your sort of naming three Uh, yeah, vocals. I think I've mentioned like eight skis, but yeah. the the other one I was considering in place of the Katana, very different ski is the Kai Shapes Numinous. Huh. It's super heavy. I wouldn't say like I don't think its suspension is as good as the Black Ops 118, um, despite the Numinous being I think a little bit heavier. Um, it's a very stout ski, especially underfoot, um, and I feel like maybe that takes away from it a little bit. Um, but that is, especially if we're talking about playful skis, one of the most damp for sure. All right, here's the deal. This fall, and we've already written this on the calendar, so we won't forget. We're going to go more in depth on this topic of suspension, and we're going to kind of dive even further down the rabbit hole. We have talked about 
again, to be clear, it's not like only heavy skis can have good suspension. And so we will be releasing later um, a kind of more in-depth uh, written piece on ski suspension. And we're going to name some more skis as we drop further down in weight. But do you want to just for now briefly like mention, let's say a sub 2000 gram ski that you think just one example. So again, not the definitive best ski of all time in this regard, but what ski comes to mind is you're like, think about a sub 2000, I don't know, maybe even a sub 1900 gram ski that you think has particularly good suspension. I have a lot I could talk about. I'll just, I'll just list them off and maybe you can talk about one of them. Line sick day 104. Yeah. J ski slacker. The original Wonder Alpine Intention 110, mm -hmm. the Vocal Blaze 106, the Sago Condor 108, and the Renown Endurance 88 and 98, but those are like a whole nother conversation. Oh my God, you just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. Like hurt my head. <laughs> um, and the Blizzard Wrestler 11, but that's like 2050, I think. I'll just go with two because I'm more, you know, discerning and selective than you apparently. Uh, Line sick day 104, absolutely. And that's like, is that sub 1800? Our, no, our pair was like, I think the average weight was just under 1900. Okay. Yeah. You know, I love me some Forefront Raven. I think that also has to do with the shape of that ski, but um, its weight to flex pattern ratio, um, I, I think the suspension of that ski is quite good for a touring ski. Mm -hmm. um, why are you giving a quizzical look? Oh, I was just thinking about weight to flex pattern ratio. I didn't immediately know what you're talking about, but like it's light. So it's not super stiff. You're yeah. talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So point is this isn't a conversation that only comes into play when you start talking about like quite heavy skis. Um, and again, our take on this is maybe not all the time, but often, the lighter you're going on a ski, you've got to nail the flex pattern. And if you just go, if you go too stiff in particular, it's gonna be like you're riding a rigid mountain bike down a rocky trail and it feels pretty crappy. And I think the one other curious thing I just noticed is apart from the Rustler 11, which has a partial sheet, none of the skis I mentioned have full width Tetanol in them. And we're seeing, a, a, we now know, there are a lot of sub 2000 gram skis that do have one or two sheets of Tetanol. But I think when those first started coming out, I was like, oh, cool, it'll be really damp. But it's not always true and not often true, actually, I'd say in my experience. That is worth highlighting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what Pete Wagner was actually just giving us crap. Right, because we were kind of gushing about that quote unquote 50 50 ski and how good that thing felt like skiing hard in bounds and like moguled up terrain. And Pete was like, You guys are always talking about how much you like Tetanol. You are. I talk about weight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I talk about weight more. Yeah, there have been a few times where you're like, where you, I feel like you were focusing more on metal than I was. 
But anyway, Luke's yeah. looking really smug right now. He's very pleased with himself. I just remember, right I feel like there was one instance where you were, yeah, you were talking about just preferring a ski with metal. I was like, it doesn't matter. I mean, now that's a whole other topic too, which we won't go down that rabbit hole. But um, anyway, but yeah, interesting, interesting point that, and certainly I think another point worth noting is, yeah, if you have a, the most torsionally stiff ski, it's probably not going to translate that well to good suspension. Yeah, especially when it's lighter. Like, yeah. I'd assume a lot of the skis we've been talking about, like Monster 108, Star Pro Rider, and to a lesser degree, the Katana, like a lot of those skis have two layers of full width, basically full length metal. So I'd assume they're very torsionally rigid, but they're also extremely heavy and have really good suspension so i don't know yeah i think there are a lot of basically there are a lot of variables to consider yeah anyway people our job here today was not necessarily to give you the final word this was not a treatise on ski suspension it was it was a more of a you know thought-provoking conversation we want we want you thinking about this we hope it helps you when you're skiing something and if you're like, I don't know, I'm not maybe clicking with this or this ski does feel a bit harsh or jarring, or maybe you're in love with this ski and you're not completely sure why, maybe, just maybe, it's because you really like the suspension of the ski. And to the manufacturers who send us skis that we then have to go spend a bunch of time on, if you guys get your suspension even better, let's say, than it already is, that's the nice way to put it. That'd make our lives better too. So every, it's going to be a win-win for everybody. All right, that's it. Luke, what are you celebrating this week? Uh, so last, I guess it was last week on the podcast, we talked about just like off-season, taking a break. Um, so last weekend I did end up going to Moab for just a couple days and basically just hung out, did some mellow bike rides, but I realized I had not left Crested Butte, not even to go to Gunnison since the beginning of January. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, so it was, it was a nice change of scenery and I'm, I know I'll be in Gunnison a whole lot more this spring cause Hartman rocks is open, but, um, yeah, it was just nice to hang out in the desert. Very, very different, uh, than Crested Butte right now. There was actually some snow around our campsite though. So that felt familiar, but yeah, it was nice to hang out. Huh. And I did not text you, call you mm -hmm. the whole time. I yeah. think I've been pretty good about that on weekends. So. Yeah. Usually it's not, but like I didn't do any work while I was there apart from like emails yeah. on the car ride, which is very rare. Um, yeah. so that was nice. And, yeah. um, I turned on my email, like vacation yeah. responder thing for the first time in I think two and a half years. So huh. that was nice. Even if it was for a Saturday and a Sunday. <laughs> right. But do you, you know, yeah. I've never turned that on. Yeah. It doesn't surprise yeah. me. I, that'll be my new objective. Um, so basically what I heard you say is, you think I'm the best boss ever, ever. And, um, I really appreciate that. Luke. It <laughs> yeah, means a no lot. Problem. It means a lot coming from you. <laughs> I think the other thing we're going to say we're celebrating this week is, uh, friends who, you know, when you hit them up, let's say, I don't know, maybe on a Wednesday morning, 
and they ask you to help them out to do something that is more or less legal or more or less not legal, but it's for kind of a good cause. And then you do that. That's, you know, those are good friends. Those are good friends. No one's going to understand that whatsoever. No, that's okay. But Dylan Wood will. <laughs> and uh, you're welcome, Dylan. Uh, Luke Luke was a good friend this morning. And you got gas cafe food out of it. And beer. And beer. So that's what we got for this week. I am not going to raise a glass of whistle pig right now because I'm actually going to go try to get a workout in. And uh, so I think I'm going to save... I'm going to save my glass for uh, this evening and um, I'm going to go 12. I'm going to go 12 year tonight, Luke, while you enjoy your PBR. Anything else? What do we need to tell the people before we go? Um, I don't know. Still posting a lot of ski reviews. As we said before, a lot of mountain bike stuff coming. Yeah, we're still skiing. Like, yeah. <laughs> and we'll have, um, I just posted a flash review of a, uh, ski from Ronin, which is a yeah. small manufacturer out of Chamonix, which is cool. Um, and we just got some new DPS touring skis mounted up. We have, yeah, we have a whole bunch of stuff to test still. Riding bikes, skiing skis. Yeah. And as we told you guys, if you are not subscribed to bikes and big ideas, please subscribe to that podcast. The conversations have been really good. You got Noah and David dorking out on the one that just went up yesterday. We're talking to Casey Brown on Bikes and Big Ideas next week, for the love of God. It's not even, you know, we're going from Luke Coppa to Casey <laughs> Brown, people. Um, but we're having some really good conversations over there and on our other podcasts. So we hope you are checking those out. Uh, we've got Cody Townsend on Blister Podcast this Monday. That was a really fun conversation. So um, yeah, a lot of reviews a lot of time on bikes and skis, a lot of good conversations. And um, yeah, man, things are good. So on that note, that brings us to the end of this episode of Gear 30. Check out all of those other podcasts. Uh, I want to say thanks to Luke for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again very, very, very soon. Bye, everybody.